we find property investors typically are really good or understand very quickly how the general business model works for buying and selling websites. It's actually easier than buying and selling bricks and mortar businesses. Do you know you can make millions? Of, I never thought this would be the case. We know people that are selling food blogs for millions of dollars. It's just mind-blowing. This is- Welcome to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, the leading weekly show to help you unlock your full self, health, and wealth potential. I'm your host, Bushy Martin, and each week I go deep with the best investors, experts, leaders, and founders to find out what it takes to break free from the grind, discover freedom, and live by design. Subscribe now and join me and get invested in the life you really want. Let's get started. Hi, Freedom Fighters. Why are you looking to invest or to invest more? Is it to make money, replace your work income, to stop having to work in a job that you don't like, to get your time back to do things that are important to you, become financially free, or a combination of all of these? And if you're looking to invest, what's the best thing to invest in that gives you the biggest buck for your bang while matching your time, your experience, and the money that you've got available along with your sleep at night factor and your comfort level. Well, traditionally in Australia, the highest and safest reliable growth and cash flow vehicle that's tax incentivized has been property. However, with recent increases in both property values and interest rates, the accessibility barriers to purchasing property from both an equity and a buying capacity perspective are becoming challenging for many investors. So what are the relatively safe, affordable and easy alternatives? Now, you're probably immediately thinking about the volatility of shares and equities, or maybe speculating in the quite scary world of digital currencies, crypto, blockchain, and NFTs. But what if there's a much better and other alternative? A relatively unknown asset class with limitless supply and demand requires little capital to invest. Now, have I got you intrigued? Well, you may be surprised to hear that I'm talking about investing in the buying, renovation and selling of websites, which in many ways could be considered as the digital equivalent of real estate or virtual property for want of a better description. You may be surprised to hear that investing in the purchase, renovation and selling of websites can be an excellent and highly profitable investment opportunity if you know where to look and you know what you're doing. So what is digital asset and website investing and how and where can you do it and invest in it successfully? Well, that's exactly what we're going to unpack today with our very special guest, Matt Wright. If you're, as you're about to hear, Matt himself has used a very unconventional method to create financial freedom, starting with nothing and building a high cash flow portfolio through buying and selling businesses that has now shifted into the virtual online equivalent. Matt and his wife, Liz, are now accomplished and successful website investors, which in simple terms means that they utilise digital assets to generate cash flow and to build wealth. Together, they were some of the first in the world to pioneer the buying, building and renovation of websites. And they now teach others like you and me to achieve six or seven figure incomes using a similar strategy to buying and renovating traditional real estate. Now, I need to stress right from the outset that everything we talk about today is for general information only and in no way, shape, or form does it constitute financial advice. So you'll need to talk to your professional advisors to see if it suits your situation, your needs, and your risk profile. So today, Matt is going to share his insights into his journey as a successful investor, where he started out as a zoologist with his wife, how they bought their first businesses, they expanded into mergers and acquisitions, and then transitioned into the 
very interesting virtual tech and digital world. Like yours truly, Matt and Liz share my vision to inspire and motivate you to invest in your future and replace your income with leveraged high cash flow assets, and in Matt's case, to extend this into the realm of location-independent digital skills. Matt's going to reveal how you can buy, renovate, and sell online website digital property and to achieve your version of financial independence and how you can replace your income in a relatively short time frame by leveraging websites as income-generating digital assets. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking these exciting opportunities in the virtual world of digital real estate. So welcome, and let's get invested, Matt. Thanks so much, Bushy. What an awesome intro. Love it. No, I said I really have been. Uh, the, the more I've delved into what you do and what you're doing, I've got pretty excited myself, uh, Matt. It's uh, as I mentioned to you uh, in the green green room off off air. I uh, wasn't even aware that uh, there an investment opportunity revolved around the, the website activity. So I'm really going to look forward to unpacking that. But um, of course, before we get into that, I'd, I'd love for you to just sort of elaborate a little bit on on what you do differently. And more importantly, Matt, why do you do what you do? Well, I think what's so different about Liz and I is that, as you said, and yeah, I know a lot of your listeners come from a real estate investing background, as you do, and and like you said, everyone here in Australia thinks that's and it is a very very powerful way to generate wealth in here in Australia. But what we do so differently is we buy and sell websites, and most people are like what what the heck does that mean? Like far out. Um, and we take it for granted. So I need to be careful how sometimes I get a bit overexcited about it because it is such a powerful strategy. And it's a, it is very different, but like I was saying to you as well, and anyone listening, once you understand how it works, it's actually relatively simple as a business model or an investment model. And believe it or not, uh, it's actually more like buying and selling or buying and renovating uh, real estate than say running a standard business if you come at it from an investment point of view. And I think that's the other thing that Liz and I do do very differently is we come at it with a an investment view strategy. And that's thanks to Liz. She's really she was she loved doing the real estate thing, which we can mention later on in the podcast. Yep. But she comes at it with a, a like I said, an investment strategy rather than just treating it as a as a business as such. So you'll notice we we talk about ourselves as digital asset investors. And so, but basically we're buying and selling websites and not e-commerce sites. So everyone thinks, oh, you know, you're selling widgets online and things like no, no, no. We do none of that. And that's the other bit that I think people spin out a bit. And I'm happy to explain exactly the sort of sites that we buy in in this podcast with you. Sounds awesome. What about the why piece? What's the why of what you and Liz do? Um, well, the <laughs> buying and selling. Um, how do I? There's two parts of that to that question because we we have two big areas of our life that we run. One is the e business institute where we teach beginners to do exactly what we've been doing for the last twenty odd years. Yeah. But the why we do that is because we're meant to be semi retired, and it's kind of started out as a passion. And so many people ask us, "How the hell do you buy websites?" And now it's turned into this business of it of itself, and we absolutely love it. it we we're able to get people quitting their typically corporate high paid corporate roles um and or creating alternative investments to tr- we have a lot of real estate investors in our community and this they find this a really good alternative investment to have and and i guess it's just a buzz for us to do that and to teach them um 
And our why is we want to enable these people or open their eyes to an alternative strategy that's out there now. This is mainstream. It's about to get even bigger over the next decade, we believe. And so we're just passionate about educating Aussies, you know, how to do what we've so successfully done. We absolutely love it. And why we buy websites is because it's a no-brainer. Wait till you hear anyone listening. You'll see what I mean. For us, it's because our background is is business. We've always bought and sold businesses, bricks and mortar businesses. That's how we, when we first met, we bought a business straight away. And um, and it's really, really tough. It, it's way harder than what people realize. And when we discovered the online space, we suddenly realized not only is it heaps easier, but we actually love doing this. Like it, it's so creative. It's so much fun. And as young entrepreneurs, we didn't need as much money. We're like in the past, we used to, you know, forking out hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars into bricks and mortar business, taking massive, massive risks. That's fine when you're young, but we don't have that time. And now we've got kids and everything. And it was always stressful. And, and, you know, it's easy to look at business owners and go, I know a lot of, Bushy, you said a lot of your or um, listeners are like in high-paid roles just like our, our community. And it's easy for people who work a, a job to look at entrepreneurs and go, oh, man, you're so lucky and you make so much money. It's not that easy, I'm telling you. With bricks and mortar business, it's very challenging. And it's something we're really passionate about because we made lots of mistakes in business in the early days. And now what we're allowed we can do is through our what we can teach people is how to do things like proper due diligence so you don't make mistakes, the same stupid mistakes we made and um, you know, back in the early days. But also... It, like I said, when our why is why buy websites because compared to bricks and mortars, it's it's a walk in the park. It, we're like kids in a candy shop, Liz and I, in, in this field. It's heaps easier. Yeah, I love it. Well, I've, I've, I know I touched on a little bit of your background in, uh, in the intro, but I'd, I'd love to circle back to that now, if you don't mind, Matt, and, and take us through uh, where have you invested your time and energy and money over the years and why and and how's this now led you to what to what you're doing? And, and I guess the, the obvious place to start there is because you know when I first read that you're a zoologist, there's a big leap yeah. from from that to what yeah. you're now doing. So, so yeah, take we- us through the highs and lows of the the journey uh, in that regard, if you don't mind. Yeah, we get we get that quite a bit, and I think I think it's probably like you, Bushy, and and possibly like a lot of your listeners. You've got to look at my why, and it's handy for me to explain to your listeners. I come from a background where money was a real struggle and ever since I was a little kid, you know, growing up in the 70s and everything, it was tough. And both Liz and I grew up on farms On and I watched my mum and dad go through the 87, particularly relevant now, when the interest rate shot up to 18% and they nearly went bust and, you know, pretty scary time. And uh, so for me... Ever since I was a kid, like since I was five years old, um, I had this drive to be wealthy and we didn't know any rich people. Even until I was 18, I didn't know any millionaires or anything like that. Knew, had no known way of doing that. And But everyone in my family noticed Matt is very, very driven by money. It's just I don't know where that bit comes from. But to understand my journey... You know, we come from nothing and it was really tough. So I left left 
the farm in in southern New South Wales, went into the big smoke and and you know had all sorts of adventures and learning. But when I first got there, my main thing was I'm thinking, well, how am I going to go on this journey of wealth if I don't know anyone? So I got to meet people. So I started meeting people, and I realised business is the way to do it. That's that I somehow, but I knew nothing about business. So if you're listening to this, you got to understand it's perfectly okay no matter where you're at in life. You can start somewhere. And I realized basically I just had to start learning stuff and learning about business and I had to hang out with entrepreneurs and get to know them. And I think I went on a, like a, well, I'm still doing it now, you know, multi-decade journey, just hanging out with entrepreneurs like yourself and learning what I can off these amazing people. And what that, so that's why we got into business. I read lots of books back then like you do, and I realized, okay, business is the leverage. Working a job is not ever going to give me the freedom that I want. And so as soon as Liz and I got the opportunity, we met at uni studying zoology because I really didn't know what I was going to do, and here we are at uni, but I always had this thing in my mind. And then luckily, Liz wasn't, interestingly, Liz is totally opposite. She wasn't driven by money, even though she didn't grow up with much. It wasn't her thing, but her number one thing was freedom. So and she realized as well, Matt's right. Business is what's going to give us that freedom because as zoologists, you can't, you know, we want to live in a country, right? Well, the joke is with zoologists, most of the jobs are in the city. So that wasn't going to work for us anyway. So we got into um, a man- little manufacturing business with the help of family and everything. And so we could outsource that. And we did really well in that. And, but it, when I say we did really well, we nearly went bankrupt when we first bought it because we knew nothing about buying business. We got the wrong advice on due diligence from an alleged expert, an accountant. And once we got into the business, we very quickly realized this is going south. We've got to learn how to turn this around. So we're totally self-taught. I bought my, we had so little money because everything was on the line and every last cent we had would go back in the business. I bought my first business book from Vinnie's for 60 cents. I've still got it. It's just over there in my in my cupboard. Uh-huh. And it's um, what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School. And that in that, the main message I got that, out of that is you've got to learn how to sell. And that's how we turned around the business. So we've always been really strong in sales because we had a we were selling to wholesalers. Here in Australia, we're selling parts for um, you know chainsaws and brush cutters and things like that. Yep. And um, we had a lot of fun in that, and we make it look easy. But honestly, it took ten years, and it was we were this close to going bankrupt so many times. It just wasn't funny. But through that, that was kind of a seasonal business, and we discovered we loved business, and we started buying and selling lots of businesses because we were successful. Whilst it was a struggle. We had a lumpy income and we could use that money and reinvest it. And yep. we, interestingly, we, we did invest in a bit of real estate as well. Luckily, I will say as well, golly gosh, that helped us many a time with the banks and everything. I've got us, there's a lot more advantages of buying um, real estate than people realize. But also, we were able to invest into other businesses and we just bought and sold. And we still loved it so much that we're, through buying and selling, we became brokers and did it professionally. And that's when I realized, oh, this is how I can start working with multimillionaires, not just millionaires, but multimillionaires and work for them, buying and selling web uh, businesses. And so I started working uh, as a spotter and, and finding really good deals of much bigger businesses for private equity firms in Sydney and stuff. Yeah. And that was a, it was awesome. It was absolutely amazing. We we're doing that leading up to the GFC. And then what happened was 
we started a, a family and Liz started looking at the online online space and she said to me, well, we can work from home and we can do what we've done for the last 10, 15 years with bricks and mortar business, buying and selling them and rolling them up and combining them together. We can do exactly the same thing, Matt, with websites. And I'm going, what? How do you do that? I said, let's just do it. So we did. And it worked way easier and quicker than what we thought. Like literally it was compared to the bricks and mortar world that we'd been in, it was so much faster and leverage and we didn't have to invest all this money into physical stock. And so to this day, that has been our passion is telling people don't take these massive financial risks like we did. Um, you don't need to put all your money into physical stock anymore. There's this thing called the internet. You can literally just sell advertising space or affiliate products, and it worked phenomenally well for us. So we were obviously we have a lot of experience as well buying and selling businesses, and we're we're really passionate about entrepreneurialism. And we we're very lucky that we'd had in bricks and mortar world some amazing personal mentors who are incredibly successful in business, but we literally just applied their strategies to buying and selling websites and far out it was easy. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Love it, love it. I just want to uh, drill into a, a, an exercise there because, uh, you know, if you join the dots between the, the quite uh, big transitions that you've made uh, across yep. the board, uh, where has your and Liz's confidence uh, to be able to take those leaps okay come from because it's it's mm. it's quite rare uh, a lot of people paint themselves into their own box and then then they're nervous to to step outside of that for, for fear of what might happen clearly you and Liz aren't where, where is that sort of uh persistence and resilience and and courage come from that's enable you to make make those quite sizable jumps over that time frame it's a really insightful question bushy far out <laughs> but, um you're right. It's funny when we look, I don't tend to look back in my past, but now we are because we teach people to do what we do and and people say, well, how did you do it? And I think, and I look to at our kids, so our kids are, are teenagers and they're, you know, they're ultra high achievers. And, and at first I'm, I'm thinking, where did they get that from? Okay. And so this, that thing about resilience and courage, it's interesting. Liz says that to me as well. Look, we, we did take very what most people would consider very big risks and to us at the time though we didn't hesitate we i think where it came from you've really got me thinking here where did it come from i think it's from genuinely from our passion we're addicted to business like it, it, so i used to ride like i've ridden motorbikes all my life because i grew up on a farm and stuff and i can remember the first day i jumped on a on a powerful dirt bike and i was addicted it was within about 10 seconds. If anyone of your listeners have ridden a motorbike, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you twist that wrist, all of a sudden you're digs. It's like when you get on a really good horse or whatever. It's a very people who, who are listening know what I'm talking about. Well, that's the feeling I got literally within 24 hours of owning our first business. Yeah. Exactly the same feeling. I was addicted and I knew straight away. So at that time, Here's how addicted it was. I, I I had no money, right? It all went into this business and everything. I'd yeah. won this sizable scholarship from the University of New South Wales to yeah. study um, zoology and red kangaroos and everything. And I literally rang them up and said, I'm not coming back. I'm going to give you all the money. I gave all the money back and said, I'm not going to continue with my studies. And it, and it was really prestigious what I'd won. But that's how 
much I loved business. I think it was a something inside me that because remember, like I said, from when I was five onwards, I wanted to be wealthy and and have that freedom as well, like Liz, have that freedom. And I realized business pretty much gives me everything that I possibly want in life. Yep. I don't want to do anything else but business. And so I guess feeding through to where do you get the courage when, you know, we went through a lot of challenges and particularly financial challenges. I think young and stupid would be one answer, but it's <laughs> that, you know, well, we did, there was, we had a lot of mentors. So we read a lot of books. Like I, I a big influence in my life back then was Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's interesting I mentioned now because there's obviously a doco about him on, on Netflix at the moment. Yep. And it's interesting I said to Liz, I think Arnie influenced me a lot because he's a very brave person and he has a saying, there's no plan B. Well, we had no plan B. We literally had burnt all our bridges. There was no going back. And I guess I had those influences around me as well. So it's not just the passion of, you know, I'm not going back to uni. I'm not ever going to get a job. I'm All I want to do is business. I have to make this work. And so each business and each step in our life that we've taken we always jokingly quote Arnie and lots of things and literally there is no plan B. I think we lived by that. Now, I'm not recommending that, by the way. That We were, like I said, I, we were young and stupid. I realise when you get to this age, you need to be a lot more conservative and a bit more careful and it's very smart these days and very easy now to have a plan B. But honestly, I think we're addicted to the journey of business and I think that's what gave us our courage. Plus, got to admit, we were getting wins along the way as well. Yeah. So whilst there's challenges in bricks and mortar world and everything that every phase of the, at, like when Liz and I were doing the big M&As, like in the one to 20 mil range, that was really tough at times because it, there's a lot that goes on in that space. But when you get the wins, that's very addictive too. So the, I guess it, it's fear. What is it? The carrot and the stick. The, I guess now when I'm thinking about it, it's a really good question. There are two things driving us, fear and and um, addiction to the the results we're getting as well. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I think w w just picking up on what you've shared with us there, what I love about what you and Liz have done, you've overcome fear through knowledge. And, you know, it's it's like yes. this thing you've jumped into. Yep. It, it's like yep. learning a new language. Well, very clearly you've surrounded yourself with good good people and good players in very, that place. Yep. Uh, and and you've read extensively so that you're you're breaking down that fear by increasing your knowledge, which which in, in, includes and improves your comfort levels and your courage as a consequence of that. So uh, I, I really totally. appreciate you sharing that because I, that's a really important lesson for people to take away is that the only difference between uh, doing something and not doing something is your knowledge of it. And the only way you get the knowledge is to talk to others who are doing it and yep. to read everything you can get your hands on associated with it so that all of a sudden you can see clarity through the clouds. So and really offer there. Thank you. I think I think you're spot on, Bushy. You're right. If I think of it, I've forgotten this too. Liz and I were like sponges. We we learn everything. We went to every course, every seminar, including real estate seminars, but we went to heaps of business seminars, of course. Yeah. And um, we read heaps of books because that was the cheapest way for us back then. And knowledge is king. We learned that off so many of our mentors. And by that's why we were desperate to hang around. I shouldn't use the word desperate. That's wrong. But 
we loved hanging around these. That's part of the reason why I became a broker, just so I could hang around these very successful people and get to know them and learn off them. And I guess with knowledge did come a lot of deep-seated confidence in what we're doing because we had role models where we knew if we keep pushing forward, we can still be successful at that. At that. And you're right, it is so important to have um, those role models and that knowledge so you know what you're doing stands a reasonable chance of success. Love it. Love it. If you'd look back on your uh, uh, joint career with Liz uh, up until this point, um, share with us uh, what challenging event has brought about your greatest learnings and and best changes then? I think um, I've already mentioned it, nearly going bust. When we bought that first business and realising the due diligence was completely off and that was a pretty scary moment because we're total beginners and Without a doubt, that would be our biggest challenge and biggest life-changing moment in our, in our not just business careers but in our lives because, um, and to this day, it drives us. That, that's why we're so passionate about teaching people to make sure they don't get ripped off when, through doing due diligence. So with websites, we're really, really good at teaching people how to do due diligence because of that passion of, of and now it, funnily enough, it came from a bricks and mortar business but, um, yeah, without a doubt, that would be the number one changing thing for us and, and in, in businesses. And then also, actually, very close related to that, is the personal experience of watching other people get it wrong on their due diligence and we've been called in to help fix up the mess or whatever and it's like, oh, man, if only you'd – if, if I, I could have helped you so easily. I, I can spot so – so quickly the mistakes that people make in their due diligence on any business, don't care what it is. And again, I'm an expert at it. I take it for granted, but it's purely because we're so passionate about it. So can I give a take-home lesson from that? If you think you're getting into business, learn how to do due diligence. It's not that difficult. It's actually, but make sure you do learn it and don't always trust well, do I say this? I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of accountants that are really, really good accountants. That was another learning for us. And I saw this repeated many times. There's a lot of accountants that are really good, but they give their clients the wrong advice when it comes to due diligence on businesses, interestingly enough. But that's funny. So I've been called in to you know, advise on certain due diligences and, and the accountants, understandably, they're not experts at buying and selling businesses, they're experts at figures. There's yep. two very different things happening there. Yep. And so that's something to this day we are hugely passionate about because it's where you make your money. 100%. Like in real estate, wouldn't it, when you do a real estate deal? Absolutely. It's interesting you mentioned due diligence because one of, one of the things that we spend a lot of time with people with is teaching them the, the core elements of due diligence on a property because uh, you've got to validate and test and support with data everything that you're looking at, yep. not just take someone's opinion. So yep. uh, very, very parallel in that regard. I, I want to sort of drill down now into your own personal journey into the uh, the website uh, investment opportunity because, uh, and, and we'll drill into a lot more detail shortly, but just, just to share what was the attraction for you and Les in, into that space initially? Uh, what, what was your initial investment strategy, if you like, when you decided to go, go down that route? And then, uh, what have been some of the you know the highs, lows, and challenges that have come out of that that experience from your own perspective? Yeah, well, again, really good question. What where we when we first went online, 
we didn't actually buy websites. So Liz started learning about this space. And back then, it wasn't like it is now. It was very difficult to even build a website. You had to hand code them. She learned on a program. If anyone's technical, you would know this. It's called Dreamweaver. It's not even around now. But literally, it was, it was none of this click and drag like it is now. It was, it was none. So this was back in 2000, I think 2008. Yep. And so she, Liz built her first website. And she had to learn how to do all that. Now, she's quite technical. I have major technical challenges with um, with computers. I used to have some choice words at computers, and I never grew up with computers, whereas Liz, Liz is quite confident with them. But interestingly enough, we the whole reason it took us until 2000, we actually started looking at internet business or getting online years before that, but yeah. we were scared off because of the technical issues because it's so difficult technically and that's again why we're so passionate about teaching beginners because we regret to this day we actually saw the opportunity two years before we actually got online and we're still kicking ourselves now because we would have made a lot more money a lot quicker if we'd gotten on two years early so it was purely because of the technical issues that we delayed it liz figured it out though and she built this website and it worked, but it was hard. It was really hard. It, it failed at first. It didn't generate any money. And then luckily she had a mentor who said, just stick at it. I think you're onto something there. This can work. And so she stuck at it and she got that thing up to making $5,000 a month, which is pretty cool. Wow. And that's seriously impressive. Now, Liz is is a real go-getter and she's quite impatient and she said, I'm not going back through that because it took a year or something to get that up there. But And I remember when we got our first affiliate check. This was all just through selling an ebook, and you, it, no physical. What we made a, a vow with each other, we are not ever selling physical product ever again once we exited our final business. Yeah. And so when we got online, she just sold an ebook and she built it herself. So yeah. the turning point for us was she's impatient and she just looked at me one day and said, what I'd said earlier in the in the interview, what the hell am I doing building this thing? Why don't we do what we've always done, Matt? I'm just going to buy websites. And I'm going, can you even do that? And she goes, watch, we'll figure it out. And so she just started emailing people and because we used to do that with bricks and mortar business, that's how we used to buy them. We'd go door knocking or send out old physical letters. Remember those days? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was one of our secrets. People don't realize that's how we used to do it. We'd send out thousands of letters to businesses around Australia seeing if they want to sell. And so we used to say, well, it's even easier now. I sit at home in my jimmy jams and send out an email and just see. And back then you talk to people on Skype. And so we just started buying businesses before buying websites. That's how we got into it. Before even the market, there's now brokers and marketplaces for um, buying and selling websites, and we know all of them. And they all started around the same time as uh, the owners all have very similar backgrounds to Liz and I in that, that we all started buying and selling what's called ads, um, advertising websites. Yep. And it was it was really good fun. And very, very quickly we hit success because we just you could buy sites at a good price because no one was doing it. One of the first site websites we ever bought, believe it or not, was off eBay because no one knew how to do it. And we found this guy. He we said to him, Why'd you put it on eBay? He said, Well, where else do you sell a website? I don't know how to do it. And anyway, we he was in America. We got talking to him on Skype and we bought his site. And um that was one of the first sites, and it, I think that site was making a thousand dollars. This is net. This is all. This is not sales. This is all net profit. The, the yeah, profit so. margins on websites are like ninety percent. It's just wow. through the roof. Yeah. And 
I think from there, then we suddenly realized, okay, how do you do due diligence on a website? That's, as everyone's heard, that's something I'm very, we're very passionate about. We better get this right because this is where we're going to get that wrong. So we realized it was virtually the same as bricks and mortar businesses, except we need to layer in the technical aspects of how websites work. So again, we had to learn a lot in that first year or two that we got online. And to this day, we're still learning a lot, but we became, we just loved it so much. And we realized, oh, this is just the best. This is so, this is like the perfect business model. And it's really interesting, Bushy. We had some mentors from our bricks and mortar days who we actually would help. They were very high net worth individuals and they were, they just buy and sell bricks and mortar businesses. Yeah. And so we'd go back to them and we hang out with them and we have coffee and stuff. And we'd say, you're not going to believe what we're doing now. Because they'd say, can you go and find us another business, Matt? I'd go, nah, I'm buying websites. And they're going, you're doing what? I'm <laughs> buying websites. And we sit there on the back of a napkin and draw it out how it all works. And they're going, wow, okay, does this work? I go, yeah, look how much money we're making. And um, it's costing us nothing. So compared to like these guys are spending millions on these businesses, so, of course, we got pretty excited and then we could start sharing with our mentors what we do. So, you know, we we teach them a little bit too about how to buy these websites and it worked really well. So I guess that's our that was our turning point and we realised, like I said, the only barrier for us was understanding the due diligence combined with the technical side of how websites work, but that was pretty easy to figure out. Yep. And then we realised too we could start putting in this strategy that our favourite personal business mentors would do, which is what's called roll-ups. So they, you know, they raise millions of dollars and they go out and buy bricks and mortar businesses in one industry, in one vertical. So they buy all the electrical wholesaling businesses here in Australia, or they buy all the childcare centers or whatever. So we just did exactly the same thing, but at a way smaller scale. We didn't need millions of dollars. We could buy, we could buy websites for five grand. So you imagine that we could buy 10 websites over the course of a couple of months and all of a sudden, we own that vertical online. And of course, we were getting really excited at that point. That's when we started to go, okay, this is amazing. Um, we're now like little mini business moguls for a fraction of the cost of what our friends are doing. And we are working from home in our home office, raising, remember, we had two kids then. So it's the perfect way to raise two of our kids. Yeah. And okay, we worked hard, but it was a lot of fun and our kids got to grow up with mum and dad right next to them buying and selling websites. It was awesome. It. Just, just <laughs> absolutely perfect. Brilliant. I, put some colour around this for, for those that are listening in and going, okay, we're talking about verticals and the website space. Can you give us an example oh, that sort of brings that to life yeah. for us? Yeah, so we would go into like a crafting niche. Yeah. And so well, what I should explain is the, the sites that we buy – See, Bushy, you and I take this for granted a bit, but maybe someone listening doesn't realise you can buy websites. Remember, we're not talking e-commerce sites if you're listening to, to this now. This, these are websites. Yep. Say, like Bushy's asking me, say it's a, a website about knitting. And when you come on there, you're thinking, well, wouldn't I be buying knitting? Well, no, 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 no. Or when you come on there, there's ads for sewing machine companies. If someone clicks on that ad, we make money. Yep. So what's our job? It's just basically we own an online billboard or it's like the old magazines in the old days in the news agencies about sewing and knitting. So my mum was a knitter. That's why we picked that niche. And yep. so we, but we know nothing about the niche other than that. 
But remember the old days where there was magazines in that space? Well, that's how it started to evolve online. Now it's way easier and better than that. But that's basically we'd pick niches where there were magazines, old print media magazines, because then you know there's going to be advertisers there. And we just put the content together. We get all the content written by outsourcers like in the Philippines and stuff. They just write the content or we find knitting experts in America. Everything's done remote. Like it, it's just all on Skype and you just an email and it was easy. Really, and literally we've been now Jimmy Jams making lots of money. We don't have to you know, get in a car and commute and go into the cities, into the city or anything. And you get to talk to really nice people because we found passion niches are the best. So say you, like you're asking, you pick a vertical like the crafting niche. Yep. The other classic one that we liked was gardening um, or outdoor power cream because I just know it, like best chainsaws and stuff. And you just, what we're trying to do is solve problems online. So when people Google it, your website comes up, someone lands on it, they either buy a product and you get an affiliate commission, but ideally they just click on an ad and you and you share in the revenue. Everything's tracked, everything's automated. So this these things work 24-7. And that was a, a game changer for us actually, Bushy. That was another thing that kind of spun us out, which we now take for granted. It's actually interesting to look back in my past, isn't it? I forgot yeah. that. <laughs> for us, we're used to bricks and mortar businesses here in Australia where we thought they were because we 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 had wholesale distribution businesses or manufacturing business, which we thought were awesomely leveraged because we could send stuff all around Australia, all around the world. Well, websites go one level higher. They're awesomely leveraged because they're automated, but they work 24-7 while we sleep and we literally have a worldwide market and we have free access, unrestricted access to the world's best market, which is America. Because we exported to physical goods to America in our bricks and mortar uh, days, and I can tell you, it's bloody hard. Sorry, oh, I shouldn't swear. Yeah, um, no, but good. seriously, it's really, really hard. Um, but with a website, it was um, suddenly there was no barriers, absolutely no barriers whatsoever, and we had these twenty-four these machines working twenty-four-seven, and we realized, okay, when we're sleeping, there's people checking out our websites, clicking on ads, and we're making money. So it worked really well. And we could go in these really nice kind of, I guess, friendly, you know, passion niches where people are really friendly and and really open. And and it was just, you know, we're raising a young family, so we went into, you know, um, mum-type niches where there's mummy bloggers and stuff, and you get to meet really nice people. It's all virtual. But, you know, really good niches where they're nice people, and you just dominate in those niches, like because you buy three or four websites, and next thing you're known for being the expert in knitting or whatever. And you yep. use pseudonym names. So I was known as a female online because I had these knitting sites or whatever, or crafting sites. And so not many people realize that. And, you know, yeah, Matette or whatever. No, I, <laughs> I, I used a different name, but online you use pseudonym names. And sometimes awkward people kind of go, all right, uh, can we meet you to discuss like advertising on your website? And I go, all right, well, you probably should speak to my actual um, wife, Liz, and um, I'm I'm a pseudonym, and that's when you got to explain to them. So it's a lot of fun. It was really it was a real that was all new to me as well. Yeah, uh, everyone uses pseudonyms, but um, it it is as simple as finding what we also loved about getting online, talking about these verticals. People think to make mega bucks online and we're talking even to make millions of dollars you, you think oh i've got to have an amazon side or i've got to sell these products you would not believe the 
weird and wonderful niches we've been in where we make lots of money. We own a website about pigeon racing. And I don't, you know, here we are, zoologists. I know nothing about pigeon racing. To this day, we make a thousand bucks a month off that website. I had it for a decade, over a decade. Oh, it's t- I don't even look at it, it's totally passive. And so, you can go really micro niche, and I think that was an eye opener. So anyone listening here, if you've even got a, if you've got some hobby like you love golf, so we've been in the golfing niche, own websites in golfing, or any sports niches, we love those. Do you know you, you can make millions? Of, I never thought this would be the case. We know people that are selling food blogs for millions of dollars. It's just mind blowing. This is like, admittedly, they've been around for 10 years or so. I remember 10 years ago looking and saying to Liz, We are never buying a food blog as if you could make money out of those things. And now I've got to eat my own words. They're selling for like $5 million and stuff. These, these blogs, they're just about food recipes and stuff. So you can make money in any kind of niche. And what we learned was, the more niche, the better. So, for example, pigeon racing, awesome, or anything to do with golf, or anything to do with beginners learning something like how to play guitar. So, if you've got a hobby niche that you like, that's perfect place to start. Yep. Um, but also, you don't. We also learned you don't have to be an expert on the topic because you've you've got, we've got all these amazing tools about researching these niches, and we do what's called keyword research, and we teach people how to do that, of course. Um, but basically, that's the other exciting thing I think that really opened our eyes. All of a sudden, we didn't have to be an expert in these topics at all. We we hire expert writers and we do the keyword research. As long as we know the process and as long as we know how to do due diligence, we're fine. Love and so, it. yeah, that's that's that was, you know, as you can hear, it was a pretty darn exciting time when we realized all these things compared to bricks and mortar world. Absolutely. No, that's a great intro. And I really want to start drilling into this whole whole subject area in a second. But just to sort of set a framework around this before we we, we dive into it, Matt, uh, from a, thinking about life from an investment perspective, uh, given where you've been and where you've come from and what you're doing now, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you, you see investors make? Um, with websites or investors as general, because we work general. with lots of investors. Yeah, just in, in just general. general. I think yeah. um, oh, that's actually easy. Really, really. Easy. I'd say what just popped straight in my head, gut feel. It's too much leverage and um, lack of diversification. So, in, in my experience, so I I think is a little. Um, so bushy, like, like you know my background. Like I'm an advisor to high net worths and and buying and selling primarily through buying and selling businesses. But obviously they're all full time investors yeah. and they invest in real estate as well. And yeah, as I look over the years, and one of the things we've learned and off personal mentors as well, they've they you know they've they're off typically a lot older than than me and Liz, and they and they've said to us, you know, just be careful, don't over leverage, like Warren Buffett says, because you know when the tide goes out, we're going to see who's standing naked. And so we've had some, um, we've been really lucky to have some mentors who have always said to us, cash flow is king. And I think, and that probably makes the penny drop for anyone listening as to why I'm so passionate about businesses and investment. Um, And and I probably should mention that I, I guess I've been programmed by some of these mentors we've hung around that cash flow is king. So whenever we've made investments, Liz and I have always tended to go for high cash flow style investments. Even when we bought real estate, we typically bought in um, areas where the rental returns were, what do you call it in real estate? Cash flow positive. Like, yeah. it, yeah. you know, we, 
when we bought our properties, we couldn't afford to buy in Sydney and stuff. So we used excess funds from our businesses, what little we had, to go into real estate. So we had to leverage. The way we got leverage there was having really high cash flow. So we bought in country areas or areas where the the rent covered the um, the interest payments and then yep. the bank would let us do it. And yep. so in terms of mistakes we've seen people make or or is we've personally observed, yeah, yeah, because we see a wide, wide range of people who are investors and I think it nearly always comes back to, in our opinion, understand I'm very biased towards high cash flow, but in my opinion, the biggest mistakes are over leverage and um, lack of diversification. And what I mean by that is people put too much money into one deal and that's the thing that worries me about people buying um, – Unless you're a hedge fund or a private equity group or a ultra, or very high net worth who's very confident with buying businesses, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking of buying a business, my concern is that when I – I won't say your average person, but when, you, when a person – well, let's say like your average person compared to a private equity firm or a, or a high net worth, when they go out to buy a business, they put – too much of their net worth into that business. It'll typically be in the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And I've personally helped people buy these, but far out guys, it's a big risk, big, big risk. And that's why again, these days I'm so, so happy to teach people how to buy websites because you don't have to do that with websites. You don't have to spend hundreds of thousands. You can buy a really good website for under $10,000 easy. You can buy a really good website for under five grand. Uh, We've got multimillionaires. I just, did an interview with one, you know, he's got unlimited funds. His main strategy, buying websites under 50,000. You know, compare that to bricks and mortar. That is way lower risk. So it's one of the biggest mistakes I see people making in investing. That I think they put all their eggs into one basket. Yep. Yep. Not, not good when the economy changes. No. Or when something happens in their personal life, like they either get uh, touch wood, like you know, they they might get really sick or a divorce or whatever. They're yep. the two main ones, and that can that can take them out of the game. Yeah, sadly, if you're not diversified. Spot on. So I, I, let let's go to the other end of the spectrum, and you've you've touched on some of these already. But what what do you believe are the keys to successful investment, and why? <laughs> cash flow. Yeah. Uh, um, cash flow is king. Ah. Uh, no, you do need growth. I'll take that back. I'm changing a little bit now as I get older. I understand off some other my other mentors that yes, growth is is super super duper important, and we need that, and you need it to compound though, so it needs to be real. But in terms of what's the so ask the question again. It, it um, yeah. So what do you believe are the the keys to successful investment? Um, you've covered cash flow, diligence. you've talked about growth. And, yeah, and good due diligence. Yeah. yeah. It, it nearly, I'm going to come back to that. I sound like a broken record. But you said it as well, same in real estate, see? And and we've got, you know, friends in, in I think one of the reasons we were so successful in real estate is because we had a friend, you know, we did those real estate courses. We, we knew what we were doing when we bought real estate and, man, it worked well. And it's the same with businesses, exactly the same. So I'm presuming, Bushy, a lot of your listeners are, I'm hoping for their sakes are into real estate and because, you know, real estate still is a massive wealth generator. Every mentor we've had says, you know, we've had mentors warn Liz and I because we invest so much in the business that a few of them say, uh, you should probably add 
some, we know you're passionate, you buy multiple businesses, you should probably think about adding in some real estate and, um, you know, diversification. But even in real estate, I think the number one thing you need to learn is, is due diligence. 100%. So supporting that then, what qualities and character traits separate great investors from the rest, do you think? Mindset, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I'm just thinking of the individuals I know who I really respect and who are very successful as investors, whether it's in business or property. I've got to say it's mindset. I think it, I think it's success mindset. Like, um, and, and what does that mindset look like? They're driven. They have a goal. They have a vision. And they're prepared to take some risks, but they're they educate themselves and they and they do diversify but i think it's that they they're very they have a vision first and foremost and yeah what makes them successful oh i i'm going to say mindset it's not necessarily even i mean i was nearly going to say experience but that comes with knowledge doesn't it and 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 i guess the people i'm thinking of are a good 10 20 years older than me so of course they're going to have more experience i'm just thinking when they would have started what made them so successful because these are people that i look up to and that's a key question i'm always trying to find out of them what happened at their tipping point and i know for someone listening here you're probably thinking yeah what what can I do? I want to quit my job or I want to I want to make that change to being a full-time investor or have these leverage investments. I actually think it's training yourself to take on a bit of risk, but in a very smart way. So and having a vision. I'm gonna, it's one of the key things we teach. I, I keep coming back to that because that's what's made the difference in Liz and my life. We've been very, very clear on what we want over the years. Yeah. And we've had this, you know, Liz is, both of us are driven by freedom. And so we've painted a picture of what that it means. And we talk about it every single week and we're constantly tweaking that vision. So if you're thinking of getting out of your job, I'm just thinking for your those people for their sakes, it's all well and good to say you've got to have a vision, but you've got to get your partner on board with it. That's probably one of the big bits of advice I'll give. Actually, in terms of all my personal mentors who are really successful a bit older i've got to admit well whether or not their partners are involved with them often they're not which is interesting but they're all on board with the vision without a doubt and so they're there to support so right. I, I think that's a that's a big one 100 it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I i talk about that a lot on the podcast oh, okay. because my my good wife sonia and i the first thing we did when we got together was we, we actually documented their vision for our life right off the Right off the bat, perfect. Yeah, and and then and we were both on the same page. We're both involved in that, and uh, that has really set the yes. scene for everything that we've done yep. since. So, uh, I'm I'm really glad you picked up on that, Matt. That's that's perfect. Yeah. So so now I want to get into the meat and potatoes of the of the conversation, now, which is yep. the the, the, the fun bit that you love to talk. Exactly right. Yep. Which is the wonderful and exciting world of uh, uh, digital assets and the website opportunities. Uh, talk to us uh, a bit about um, how it could start to, because so, a, a lot of the listeners will have focused previously on the property piece, and, yep. and you've touched on this a bit as well. But how does how does this investment, at the digital asset class, compare to traditional property uh, uh, from where you see it? Um, in many ways, 
we, like I said at the beginning, it's actually very similar to property. We find property investors typically are really good or understand very quickly how the general business model works for buying and selling websites. It's actually easier than buying and selling bricks and mortar businesses. And so let, let's focus on, like, like you said, let's focus on it compared to real estate because literally all we do is you think of it as you're buying virtual real estate. So the domain name is kind of like the street address and the website that sits there is kind of the building that's on there. And so, of course, all we're trying to do is we're not buying a run-down, you know, complete rebuild type thing. We're literally just buying a, a, a like a a property or a website that we need to do a quick lick of paint, bit of a makeover, fix it up, and what? And then it's ideally, let's just say, semi-passive. So you come back once a month and you tweak it up and you do stuff. So that's where it starts to differ a little bit from property. So you do have to. Then it's not quite as passive as pro- property, but the concept is exactly the same. You literally just buy, renovate, and sell. And we tend to hold for the long term. We're not website flippers, just like. We weren't. We were never property flippers as well, and that's how you tend to make more money because it compounds, and yeah. because the asset does go up in value, just like property. Um, the biggest differences in the strategy. So the strategy, what we do is literally that: we just buy, renovate, and hold for the cash flows, and then by increasing the cash flows, which is like your rent return, that increases the value of the asset. That's pretty much how it works. Uh-huh. Now, the thing with websites is it's exponential. It. it the, the numbers are 10x what they are on properties in terms of cash flow returns. So we will buy for a three times multiple, which means we're buying, if we buy a website that makes um, uh, like a, a hundred thousand a year, like that's net profit, it's only cost us $300,000. Wow. So, and then what, of course, what we do is, the goal is to double that $100,000 a year, which we can do with our skills, to 200000 And then the multiple goes up to 600000 or can go exponential from there. So that's where websites then become obviously like an, an actual business, an online business where yes. we start to get massive leverage. But I think real estate investors are just blown away by the, the cash flow return. So we have – let's flip it around the other way to get people really excited – we have clients that have bought, you know, websites for. You, you can buy a website for. Uh, I'll give a, a the most recent example. Annette, one of our clients, bought a website, a travel blog. You know, for she's a grey nomad. Yep. She's in a Facebook group. Someone said, oh, "I've been traveling around Australia for years. I got a fourteen-year-old website. We're going to close it down or whatever because we've stopped traveling. Does anyone want to buy it?" And Annette said, "I'll buy it because no one else knew how to do it." right? No one's ever heard of it. They're all grey nomads. And Annette said, I'll give you five grand for it. And the lady said, yep. And that was fair for the ladies because she's just going to close it down. So Annette now makes $5,000 a month off that website. So compare that to your rent returns. I don't know what it takes at the moment to earn $5,000 a month, but you know that's the sort of bargains you can get. So if you're looking for cash flow, so you use that strategy of buy, renovate, and hold for the cash flow, except what we're doing is where it differs is we're getting massive cash flow returns. So we get the same cash flow returns on just web assets that have cost us nothing that we've built out of our heads. I've got another site where I get uh, $500 every week. So it's like a rent return, just goes in my bank account. Don't even look at it. 
And it's just a simple site. It's got 10 pages on it. And all it does is sell leads to a local business. Oh, so, right. you know, built that. Anyone who's done our course could build a site like that. And now there's, there's stuff, you've got to learn how to do this stuff. That That's the thing. But that's where it differs. And so when we, we buy these sites, um, we're looking to add value just like you do when you renovate a house. And the way we add value in a website is we do a basic makeover, look at, make it look a little bit better, not too pretty. It's not yeah. so much about that, but it's more about we just add in what's called content so that people find it in Google and they come to the website and they click on it. And then what we do then as well in terms of the renovation, we add better monetization to it so that basically what it means is most sites passion sites, people don't know how to make money off them. So they don't actually make that much money. They might make 50 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month. And that's not bad just sitting there ticking along, but at some point people get bored of it yeah. after a few years or like the lady selling that 14 year old travel site. It takes a little bit of work to keep these things alive. So they just sell them really cheap. Yeah. So then we, our community knows what to do with them. They can fix them up. And they can suddenly be making $1,000 a month, which, hey, it might not sound like a lot of money to you, $1,000 a month. I'm telling you, you own 10 of those. That's For most people, that's 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 quit your job and working from home, not doing much. Totally. Okay? This is not like you've got to – it's not like you've got to turn up nine to five on these things. You've got to do a little bit on them. But um, really all we're doing is fixing up the content and then we find a better way to monetize them. So typically the number one thing we do is – we get better affiliate payouts or better advertising rates on there. Yeah. Um, and everything compounds. So the really exciting thing is, Bushy, when you're online, it, it's weird concept. It's this thing that Warren Buffett talks about. People don't realize the stuff you're doing today has a massive impact. Like, I don't know, in, in bricks and mortar world, it used to be 10 years down the track. But online, it happens like in about two years down the track or 18 months down the track, it has a massive impact. So if you are if you can get the traffic, which is the visitors to a website, to increase quite a bit, then what happens is the advertisers all of a sudden say, oh, your site's better. I will now pay you double what you used to earn. Now, that has an exponential effect over years. And because if you get even more traffic, means it becomes this flywheel where as more people come in, you get more money in your bank account. So you can put more money into content, which builds the traffic up the site even more. So you always take part of your profits and just feed it back into the business, which you should be doing in any business, by the way. Totally. Um, but on websites, it it's way quicker and it just it gets exponential and it doesn't cost any extra capital. It's not like you're forking out constant money on stock or anything like that. So And the money's instant. You get paid every month. So beautiful. And that's basically right. how we renovate our sites. And then we just hold them and then we sell them down the track. Love it. I, I love the simplicity of it. Uh, and, and the fact, as you say, you, it's not like you've got stock sitting in a warehouse or you've got staff that you no. have to pay. This, this, is a, this is a flywheel machine in terms of yep. the cash flow side of the equation. But we've talked about the benefits. What, what are some of the pitfalls and risks of uh, a website investing and how can we limit and mitigate those? Yep. So the, that's a really good question. Now that's something we're very passionate about teaching because there is risks like anything. This is, this is whilst I'm likening it to real estate, you are actually buying an online business. And so when the number one risk is in your due diligence is not picking up the red flags. And the red flags are, there are um, spammy sites out there or sites that haven't been properly built. Now, if you're buying a long established site, you can mitigate that risk quite a bit. Because if it's been established for a long time, 
what people don't realize online, everything, I'm telling you, everything is tracked, okay, every single click. So when you know what you're looking for, it's pretty easy to figure out the due diligence. So once you know what you, you, your risk is, your lack of knowledge, that's probably the number one risk there. Now, going forward from the due diligence bit, and there's, a, there's lots of stuff I could teach in there, but the actual risk going forward is, I guess, it's not even macro risk. You know how people are saying there's a recession? Well, what we found during the GFC, website revenues actually went up because yeah. businesses need leads. So there's more advertisers. So advertising revenues, the dollar per click will come down, but you'll actually still make more money or just as much. So we don't see a macro risk or an inflationary risk or a deflationary risk because these things are 90% profit margin. So the cash flows are so high, it's irrelevant what inflation or deflation is doing, unlike other assets. So we love that side of it. And also macro-wise, I'm of the belief that there will always be a need for these sites because it's just it's just websites are not going to disappear overnight. They're not they're not going anywhere. They're only getting bigger, in fact. And there's more and more money being made online. So the macro risks are pretty minimal. Yep. But hey, a recession, you know, could affect anything. But my personal opinion is a recession is not going to affect website incomes as much as what traditional businesses are about to be affected by. That's for sure. Because yep. I've I've seen what happens with traditional businesses during a recession and it's not pretty. Yep. So um, the main risks are what happens in the Google search environment. So Google updates. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably heard about lots of Google updates. People, I think, overly worry about what's happening with AI at the moment and how that's going to change. That's way overblown. So I, I'm going around for the last six months. I've been studying this intently because it's in my interest too. I make money awesome. online. So yeah. I need to understand. And there's a lot of naysaying um, headlines like, oh, internet businesses, you know, the search environment's going to change completely. We're all going to stop earning money online. It, it's total nonsense. It, that's not the case at all. And, and I'm probably more, to, probably more an enabler potentially if you're using um, it's, AI. That's it. It's, it's actually the opposite. It's about to get a lot easier for um, our students. I, I believe for those who have the right knowledge. Not only that, it's opening up way better um, for those who are actually serious about this it's actually going to give us the competitive edge because genuine written content is about to become incredibly valuable. It's like money in the bank, literally. Yeah. And so everyone's rushing to this AI stuff. That is not what Google wants. So the main risk in this, honestly, going forward is typical business risks. They're always there. Anything yep. can happen. Yep. But the main risk, honestly, with internet businesses would be the Google environment and you do need to learn how google ranks websites and what happens there that's probably the main risk and the other main risk as well in my opinion is probably this now this needs to be a fine balance but is lack of diversification yet again i wouldn't just want to own one website you know i, I want to own in the past <laughs> we're in the hundreds I don't recommend that anymore. That's what's also changed, interestingly enough, over the last 15 years. And now you do need the focus. But in, in an ideal world, any you want between five to 10 websites. And then that just diversifies your risk. So we've had websites where the we've lost them, like the income for whatever reason, like the affiliate offers can change. They can get a penalty because there was something we didn't pick up in due diligence. It just happens. So the way that we've, and we teach this, we're very open about it. 
we say, look, for every, you know, you want to own a portfolio of websites. Don't put all your eggs in the one basket for goodness sake. Don't bank all your money on just one website. That's not smart. What what we want you to do. And there's no excuse to do that because you can buy websites for under a thousand dollars. So and seriously, if you can't afford to buy a couple of websites at that level, you probably shouldn't even be considering this. Yeah. So and you shouldn't be getting into business. You you, you need to get a bank up. Um you probably got bigger problems in life if you if you know if you're in that boat. But um but lack of diversification would be a it would be that's how we mitigate the risks because that you can websites the other thing ah the other risk is um buying a website and then just totally leaving it you do have to do a bit of a renovation on it in this day and age so that's also what's changed interestingly enough 10 15 years ago you didn't really have to do that much it was literally the heyday of it there were definitely a lot more passive yep. we have seen it become a bit more active now but it's still hugely leveraged it's, it's like any marketplace things change and th- i think there will be new risks coming up but every day for us the main risk is the google environment because because we rely on it so much yeah. um but if you know what you're doing, especially when you know our strategy, it's hard to explain this, but content is like money in the bank these days. You get good content, it is literally – so think of your your podcast, Bushy. It, that's, that's content. In my view, in my world, that is exactly what we do. It's like a website. It's content that has a following behind it. Okay, yeah. that is money in the bank. That's your asset. That's a that's literally a physical asset. I don't care what anyone says out outside of mine and your world. Yeah. Seriously, that and when you think about it, websites are exactly the same thing. Even though they're virtual, they are literally a physical asset that equivalent of money in the bank if they've got traffic coming into them and they, and they've got a bit of a following. And I have a saying that I say to our community members. You know, our back. You know, I would love to own a website on on Red Kangaroos, but it's never going to make me money because no one's passionate about it. No one's looking it up. I'd rather own a website on golf or something like that. Although I did eat my words when Liz bought the pigeon racing site because I remember stirring and saying, "No pigeon racing." Apparently, it's a huge sport. I had no idea. But um, even though I always jokingly say I would never make money, I, I, it's going to be difficult to make money out of a website about Red Kangaroos. Here's where the asset is. If I had a website that was about, goodness me, red kangaroos and it had a million eyeballs a month, like a million people visiting it a month, then I'm making money. So that's an asset. So traffic is hugely, hugely valuable in this day and age and it's becoming even more valuable. So what you want to do is get smart and think about in terms of mitigating risk, it's about owning websites at that potentially has either really loyal traffic or large amounts of traffic. And that's, to me, that's like um, that's like security in a bank. That's my ultimate asset in life going forward. And, that, and, you know, that's something I can retire on, literally. That's what we're trying to build up. And all my friends and business associates online are all exactly the same, all the business brokers that we know. These are people that are doing seven, eight, and nine-figure deals. They're all exactly the same. And and interestingly, the big money players now, private equity firms and and big high net worths, they're all starting to invest in websites now as well in America. And that'll come here to Australia. You watch. You yeah, watch what happens over the next 10 years. No doubt. So, you, so for someone who's thinking, wow, this sounds uh, 
really exciting to me. What, what are some of the prerequisites and minimum requirements that we need to invest in digital assets? And I'm talking here about capital, time, uh, experience yep. levels, the minimum investment, the, your horizon, uh, costs, uh, contingency yep. risk. What, what are we What are we talking about there? Um, well, it's nothing like real estate. It, basically, no. you got to learn. You got to you got to invest in your knowledge because it would be really silly to get out there and just start buying websites. There's lots of website platforms now where you can buy these things, but you just won't know what you're doing. So, obviously, I'm going to say that because we teach. That's what we teach. <laughs> but seriously, you do need to know what you're doing. And as everyone heard, that's what took Liz and I so long to learn. Yeah. Um, in terms of capital. I wouldn't recommend when we actually teach one of our golden rules is your first website under a thousand dollars. Yeah. That's all it takes to get started. You can buy good websites for under five grand. So some of our most successful students, they some of their best buyers have been under five thousand dollars or under ten thousand dollars. We've got Lisa that bought this amazing site for two thousand bucks. That thing now, to give you an idea of time frame, right? It's been about four or five years, she, we interview her all the time, that's now making, she got it up to $5,000 a month net, but now it's had $30,000 months and she had one of the world's top website brokers value that at over a million dollars and that's a $2,000 website buy. So now that's a passion site that she learned already how to renovate. Same as our clients, Nathan and Alexa, they bought a gardening site for 400 bucks. That thing that's here in Australia, Bought it off a guy that was just going to close it down. That they've got that now over the course of about, I think, two or three years that's taken. That's making four thousand dollars a month. So it's a difficult question to answer. Ideally, you've got more money. So if you can spend six figures on a website, the world's your oyster. Like you've got unlimited range, but the that's why I think it's perfect if you're looking to transition out of your career because it's a really smart question. It's not like you have to go and borrow money and fork out, you know, five hundred thousand or a million dollars like you do on a bricks and mortar business or on real estate. Yeah. Um, you can just start buying up small sites under 10, 20 grand. Actually, the sweet spot, what we're teaching now is what we're finding in in in, in this current point in the marketplace, the sweet spot is buying really good websites under fifty thousand. So in the past, we used to be over a hundred thousand. Then the six figures. Now it's interesting. With knowledge, you're actually better off buying these smaller sites. Why? Because there's way more upside. So if I buy a website for half a million, we just had this discussion this morning with a client of ours in front of everyone. He buys, he's raised millions of dollars to buy websites. Yep. And he said, Yeah, I don't want to take the risk of spending a million dollars on a website anymore. And I don't want to spend 500000 He said, You can, they're really good. But he said, I'm with you, Matt. I'm, I'm buying sites under 50000 because I've got a team set up. I've been doing this for years. I know what I'm doing. If I I can buy any website under fifty thousand, and I can just ramp it right up, so there's no there's no downside. So in terms of budget, I'd honestly I'd recommend under fifty k. Yeah, I love it. So brilliant. So who is and who isn't suited to this type of investment, then, Matt? You've got to put some effort into it now. Mm. It's not like it's not totally passive. So. Because you're asking too, how much time do you need to invest? When you're learning, you know, studies have shown it takes seven times as long. This is a pretty exciting space. There's a bit to it to learn how to do it. So the type of person that it wouldn't suit. Now we have people that are very time pressured, but they really have this vision to you know get out of their jobs or change their, their careers in life. As long as you're prepared to to study a bit and work at it, chip away at it once a week, then you're fine. If you want to just 
sit back and watch Netflix every night, then it's probably not the right thing because you've got a bit to learn. So you've got to be a bit patient with this one. It's yep. not a get rich quick thing. As, as, nothing actually, is, nothing is, by the way. Yeah, it's very, it's actually difficult to say that because I know full well if I know what I'm doing and I've got a you know some good funding behind me, like say I've got 50k or a couple of hundred grand, I could literally go on to one of these website brokers now, right now, and with probably within half an hour, find a really good website that would replace most people's incomes. Pretty exciting, isn't it? That's pretty cool. But you know, to get to that level, it, it it's it, it's so it's an, the it's ability is the out there yeah. to go out and buy a website that can literally replace your income overnight. But yeah. I'm going to tell you, it is not a get rich quick thing. You need to work at this. Most of our clients would take twelve months plus. 12 yes. to 18 months. That's where the magic happens. Why? Because it's just where they start to learn how to do this stuff. Of course. It's like that's, learning to ride a bike or, or ride a horse. It takes it that long it, to yeah. get familiar with it. Then when then when you know what you're looking for, it's easy from that point, but you've got to get to that point. So yeah. that's brilliant. So talking about it in the in the context of now then, what are the trends in the in this market and what are some of the best current and future website investment opportunities you're you're seeing? I think the best trend is one that I alluded to before is the big buyers are starting to come into this space. And we've always been taught off our mentors, you know, follow the big money. And I've saw that in bricks and mortar world in certain, you know, businesses that we saw when you start seeing what's called private equity firms coming in. And this is a relatively new asset class. It's quite alternative. But yep. now we're starting to see the private equity firms, particularly in America, come into this and they have unlimited funds. Like seriously, some of them have got billions of dollars. That's with a B. Um, many of them have hundreds of millions. Many of them have tens of millions. And they are just buying up little, like pretty small websites. So that to me is, I think, a very exciting space. And so I think what we're starting to see, the new trend, is something that Liz and I admittedly have been talking about for the last decade, but passion sites are becoming hugely valuable, which is really fascinating. So even I'm shocked at how valuable, like I said before, food blocks. So I am still spinning out of that. This has just started happening in the last, during COVID. Um, I was talking to a, a, one of the world's most famous website brokers, and I was saying you know, food blogs, you wouldn't buy one. And he said, oh, I'm going to actually correct you there, Matt. And he, he said this in front of everyone. We're at a live, at our one of our live events. And he said, uh, you know, Matt, I just sold, I'm not allowed to tell you which one it is. I just sold a food blog. I'm looking at it now on my computer screen for $5 million literally last week. And he goes, all it does is just recipes on paleo diets for women. <laughs> That's it. Five it. million bucks. And it. so to answer your question, I think those passion sites like golfing, music sites, gardening sites, knitting sites, all the these things that people think are just little hobbies, all of a sudden they're incredibly valuable. So, and you think how many of them are out there at a micro level that are tiny little unsophisticated websites that no one's really done much with. We need to go around and start buying them up and renovating them and hold them in your portfolio. Don't sell them straight away. You'd be crazy. You let them compound and you sell them after five to 10 years. That would That's where they're worth a fortune. But you can flip them within a few years if you want. But if you want to make the real money, when I speak to all these brokers, I always say to them, what's, what's the difference between a seven-figure exit and an eight-figure exit? You think about that. Rolls off the tongue, but that's a lot of money, like, you know, sells a website for 5 million versus selling a website for 50 million. What's the difference? And nearly all of them say 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's Isn't that interesting. 
Yeah, there's a common it's, theme in what you're time. saying here. And it's that exponential growth again that, yep. that always comes down to that. Uh, I mean, everything you've touched, we could talk on this this for hours. Very exciting you know, territory. Uh, where do we need to start and what are the first steps we need to take then? Huh? Awesome question. <laughs> what we if if you're interested, if anyone's listening to this and they're interested in, as you said, we've we've just touched on it, but learning our actual strategy, you should seriously go and do our free masterclass on the eBusiness Institute. So it's eBusiness Institute. I know it's a mouthful, eBusinessInstitute.com.au forward slash masterclass, or just go to our website. You'll you'll find lots of links to it. It's a really, it's a 90-minute masterclass and we, Liz and I just literally go through with lots of examples from our students and ourselves the, the sort of sites we're by. Because I think, Bushy, a lot of people are probably also confused still. Most people don't quite understand the sites we buy. Yeah. Go and listen and watch that masterclass and you can, you'll visually see them and then it'll all come clear and you'll see how we literally, our three-step strategy, which is buy, renovate, sell just like real estate. So I would recommend you start there. And hey, if you want to join us on our course, we'd love love to, if you want to take it further. But also too, while you're on the website, you might want to go and check out some of our um, stories of our um, students who have been really successful. Because everyone everyone we teach is a beginner. We don't teach advanced people. That's our thing. Love it. Well, I'm going to transition now into the old ambush series, which I'm going to give you a blind cigarette on that. And I'm going to hit you up with the podcast fast four. Uh, yep. First of those is what's your favourite quote and why? Favourite quote comes from Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's someone that's influenced me dramatically in my life and he's the one that put me onto this idea of and he said, if I can see it in my mind, then I can achieve it. And I and that was a game changer for me. I'd never had that concept. That I was 18, I think, when I heard, oh. I read it in his book or something and I think from that point on then I went and read you know, think and grow rich and magic of thinking big and all, all those classics that just reinforce that idea. But I had this this perfect example of someone that literally did that. He had a vision and he changed it. And and I thought, all right, that, that, that'll do it for me. So that's what I did. Love it, love it. Uh, without knowing it, that's, I've followed a very similar approach to life, Matt, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple of great books already in, yep. in, in what you just uh uh, revealed to us then if you were to pick the top book that you recommend we read and why what would it be it depends who we're talking to for your listeners sake if they're interested in getting into this space yeah okay so the top book would be i uh, know it's a cliche but the top book would be tim ferris's four hour work week yeah without a doubt yeah now, if you want to change your life the top book for me, after I read that Arnie quote, was how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, it's just an ageless classic, isn't just it? Just ageless classic in business, in everything. And I notice it's Warren Buffett's top book that he recommends too. So yeah. that's that's the other one. But for your listeners who are interested in what you and I have talked about today, I'd say the Tim Ferriss. I think he nails it in there. That's a pretty good. He does. Yeah, it wraps the whole lifestyle component into yeah. that whole exercise. Yeah, I think sort of switching into the investment sphere for a minute. What's what's yep. both the worst and the best piece of investment advice that you've ever received, then, Matt? Best piece of advice, as I've said, is cash flow is king. It, it's yeah. quite. It was off a personal mentor. I was very. He said he actually actually what he said to Liz and I was. Um, I know you guys are going to all these courses and you're learning about investing and and but he he's like us. He comes from a background of buying and selling businesses and he said to us, guys, seriously, 
get your cash flow sorted first and then you can go and invest in real estate and stuff like that. And yep. so we just lived by that and he was right. He said, get your cash flow up and then you can safely start investing in whatever you want. You got a lot more safety. So it wasn't cash flow was king, sorry. It was get your cash flow up and in yeah. no uncertain terms. That's what he said to us. And it was right. On the flip side, what's what's the worst piece of investment advice then? Oh, that due diligence. And <laughs> and it's been repeated too, and I've seen it a few times. So some of the worst investment advice is, yeah, advice on certain investments where it was just really poor due diligence. And yeah, yeah the, without a doubt. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's a good one. I'm thinking on specific businesses. And no, no, that's a good one. one. That, that, I think you've, you've nailed it right there. Uh, sort of coming back to the old self-health, wealth, sustainable success ingredients, what's a what's a daily discipline that you employ that you think's contributed most to your and Liz's uh, success today? I think starting early, we live in Queensland, so in summer it's 4.30am, which is probably not that smart as I get older, but definitely 5.30am and do a meditation and think about our vision. So Liz and I talk regularly together about our shared vision, even though we have slightly different goals, but we are constantly refining our vision. And I think we learned that from Arnie as well and all those books that we read and everything. And I would say, do we do it daily? Almost. Like, and our kids know it and we talk about it at the kitchen table. But also for me personally is starting my day early with a meditation and yeah, it, right. which is normally a bit of a visualization. Yeah, what you think about is what you bring about. Bring about. I've always said. But yeah, that. that's yeah, so, that's right. Uh, that's an awesome quote. Yep, absolutely yeah. agree. So, yeah, it's been an awesome and inspiring and very motivational conversation, Matt. I, I'm really yeah, feeding off your energy and excited about the opportunity that you've revealed to us. But if you were to summarise that in terms of the key takeaways and the must-do actions for aspiring digital asset investors, what would they be? Yeah, if you want to get online, seriously, knowledge is king. You need to. There's a bit to learn here. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but it's fun. It is incredibly fun to learn this stuff. It's very creative. But if I had to give a bit of knowledge, uh, sorry, a bit, a best bit of advice is, is seriously get out there and play with this. Learn it. If you're interested, if you think this is interesting, take the time to learn it and start just looking around. You can start on our website. There's, you know, there's other op options as well. But seriously learn 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 also even if you just want to get into business or investing you need to learn off people like and good on you for listening like off like off bushy about real estate and actually bushy that that is my final bit of advice learn 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 that was something else i was taught um you can never like even now i'm still learning but if you want to change your life and you want to do it through business or investing my number one bit of advice is just put invest in your knowledge for, for whatever it is that you want to investment vehicle you want to get into make sure you're learning and put aside time each week to do that that's the other bit of advice actually yeah stop watching the news for one night and learn something i'd stop watching the news forever i think matt i've well, been that for 25 that, that's years probably ago. another sideline bit of advice especially <laughs> at the moment you don't want to be watching the news it, it just fills your head with the wrong ideas Liz and i don't watch the news actually so um we oh, haven't yeah. done for Many, many years. 25 but, years yeah. I stopped doing that, mate. Uh, been yeah, yeah same. So, so, so uh, instead, 
spent invest your time in learning because seriously that's what changes your life if you're in a situation that you're not happy with you need to learn you need role models you need you need people to learn off you'll learn off the wisdom of others there's heaps of it out there now and go on a path and particularly if you want to get online with online businesses i'm telling you it's a booming industry it's going it's only going to get better and you need the knowledge so start there well and and perfect segue to what i was going to say next and that is just reinforcing what you mentioned earlier, uh, for those that are excited about what you've heard today, uh, jump on the free 90-minute masterclass on how to buy and renovate websites for semi-passive income. Uh, just to mention that website again, it's ebusinessinstitute.com.au forward slash masterclass. Uh, really recommend that you do do that to open your eyes to the opportunity that's sitting there before you. And Matt, uh, this is the start of many more conversations to come. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on board and let's make sure we keep the conversation going. Thanks, well, man. thanks so much, Bushy. You certainly got me thinking. There's some really insightful questions. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. And thanks so much for inviting me onto your podcast and, and getting to share my knowledge you know, with, with, with your audience. But that was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. We'll stay in touch. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. And don't leave yet until you've taken the next step towards living by design. By getting my award-winning book, Get Invested, absolutely free when you sign up at knowhowproperty.com.au or bushymartin.com.au. And finally, make sure you subscribe to Property Hub to get your weekly dose of Get Invested inspiration along with every episode of Realty Talk, Australia's leading property show for red-hot property investing news and insights, direct from industry leaders and influencers. Remember to always get invested in your knowledge and I look forward to seeing you next time.